0: Hello everyone, welcome to Isle of a Time, Luke here. Uh, Today we're chatting to Clinton Schultz from Sober Beverages. Sober Beverages is a non-alcoholic beer company that uh, Aboriginal owned and specialises in uh, using a lot of native ingredients in the beers as well to sort of create some uniquely Australian flavours. We realised after the fact we didn't give a plug to the Flow Festival, which is a, a festival that's happening on the 26th of July here in Australia. Um, I guess it happens everywhere else uh, at different times but you can still tune in. Um, it's Sunday the 26th at noon. Um, if you go to www.flowfestival.life uh, you can register and there's some um, discussions with non-alcoholic uh, brewers all about how to make non-alcoholic beer. Uh, really really curious to see how that goes and um, it's really exciting to see you know that segment of the market getting together. Uh, other than that uh, if you keep an eye on our socials at all of a Time, you can check out uh, the other or the future future live recordings we'll do which we're streaming to youtube uh, it's a great way for people to jump in and, and, and join in on the chat uh, while they listen in if you ever find yourself listening to a podcast and you know the answer to something or you have a question that's a really good way to, to tune in um, so you're keeping on our social media for when we we do our next one uh, but for the meantime thanks so much for clinton to clinton for joining us and uh, yeah if you're i guess no matter where you are stay healthy wear a mask stay inside wash your hands cheers Dave, how are you going? Very well. You? Good, thanks. A little bit of flailing uh, behind the scenes on my end. I'm, I'm really it's out of practice. It, to be honest, I am um, also just trimmed my beard. Literally, just yeah, it Trimmed and uh, up. It looks a schmick. Um, I realised that the that kind of the grey patch in my beard was more prominent the longer it go, grows. And
1: how grey are you going
0: at the moment? Pretty grey. There's a, yeah, a good, good solid grey patch that's really popping up, um, which I'm not totally against, but. And just general tidying up as well, you kind of feel a bit ragged after being inside for, what are we, four months now?
1: Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) Uh, How are you going? I can't complain. I've got more work than I've ever had in my life. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I wasn't exactly burning the midnight oil um, in between lockdowns. so it it hasn't been a huge adjustment for me, but um, I don't know, it sucks when you get told what to do isn't it mm. um yeah, well, our guest
0: is kind of looking busy slightly below camera there uh clinton schultz from Sober. how are you going yeah i'm good thanks guys yourselves yeah yeah good good you you seem to be a lot better than us you're outside whereabouts are you
2: yeah at the moment we just sitting out the front of uh pickle pig brewery in tweed head so this is where we do all our uh, our sessional and um development and, and small scale brewing and this is where we started sort of three years ago so we're still um contract brew through here to, to develop all our products so yeah we've just finished our uh, aniseed myrtle stout so i've been down here all morning and now i'm just sitting down to have a yarn which is good so
0: great i uh i don't know too much about pickled peg brewery What's their, uh, can you give us a quick summary of them and then we'll dive into your story.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Pickle Pig's just a small craft brewery based here in Tweed Heads, um, chemical free or natural as uh, based brewery. They do some uh, awesome beers themselves here. They're, they're ginger ninja. It's a it's a ginger beer is amazing um, and a big seller. But yeah, um, great guys to work with. Always been supportive of us when, when we were starting when lots of others weren't. So it's been good.
0: Right. Um, Now, if people are in the chat um, and have any questions, feel free to fire them off into the chat and we'll relay them. Someone's uh, surprised that that's what you look like, Dave.
1: Already in the chat. Yeah. Not usually. It's (laughs) a little bit uh, funky, but yeah. I I think let's make it usual. (laughs) Um, Now, I've gone down
0: to Mr. West here in in Footscray and picked up one of your beers, um, Fingerline... Uh, Cerveza, so I'm guessing kind of a light lager. Uh, I picked it up because I really like finger limes. I think they're just a magic, magic ingredient. Um, So I guess, can you tell me a little, tell us a little bit about Soba and and your story and how it all came about and then we'll we'll talk about the beers themselves.
2: Yeah, for sure. So Soba basically came about as a product of my own lived journey. Uh, I stopped drinking about six years ago and I've always been a beer lover and I've always really loved craft beer. I, I grew up brewing with my granddad from when I was, I don't know, maybe six or seven years old. Um, he'd help us make ginger beer and he'd be making his, his 4X draft or something uh, like that at the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I quickly missed beer when I stopped drinking and uh, started to sort of tinker around at home and home brew my own sort of non-alcoholic beers and, um, in between doing that I was sort of buying some off-the-shelf non-alcoholic beers and looking at what different sort of native uh, botanicals and fruits and spices I could mix with them and see what sort of flavors I could get and um, That was kind of the, the starting point of it. Uh, trying to find something that I was happy to drink um, and I had a food truck and so it sounded like a great idea to uh, have something unique and pair it up with the foods that we were doing in the, in the food truck. So we launched it in the food truck, we got great response, we, we just were on a kegerator at that time, you know, we were just doing 50 litre batches and running two 19 litre kegs through our kegerator and um, we'd get a lot of people coming up asking if they could get takeaways and at the time we were like, well, not really, so people started bringing along their own growlers so they could fill it up and take it home which was awesome. And it kind of got us thinking my wife and I, uh, that there may be something in this that we may be able to sort of make it its own standalone business and, and look at how we could get it, uh, more commercially available. So that's when we sort of then came along and hooked up with, uh, the guys down here at pickled pig to look at how can we do this on a, on a larger scale than I could possibly do in my uh, kitchen at home. And, um, Produce something that uh, I guess wasn't going to kill anybody at the same time. And yeah, that was the beginning of it. So that was 2017 and it's just been constant sort of growth since then. The first two years was pretty hard work, just trying to shift the mentality of, I guess, majority Australians around accepting non-alcoholic beer as a legitimate thing and something that actually could taste good. Um, you know, some of the non-alcoholic beers that had been around had kind of left a bit of a bad taste um, in people's mouths around what non-alcoholic beer is and what, it, and what it possibly could be. So we spent a solid two years, you know, trying to shift that mentality. And then the last 12 months, things have just gone gangbusters.
0: It's great. It's really cool seeing um, there, there has been a real strong shift lately towards, um, you know, reducing drinking um, or, you know, seeing these kind of really interesting products come out that are non-alcoholic. Um, I was just having a chat at Mr. West when I was buying this. They've got some uh, wines, that, you know, non-alcoholic mm. wines, in that are, are really tasty as well. Uh, you know, I, I feel like if I wasn't having a beer, um, you, you don't have to miss out, I guess, in, in interesting drinks. You know, you, and that, that's really exciting. Um, sure. I want to I ask, I guess the name is, is kind of obvious, Sober. Yep. But is there, a, is there any sort of double meaning in the spelling or anything
2: like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, the amount of people that buy it and contact us a couple of weeks later saying, I just got it. I just got what it means. And I'm like, man, we're not trying to hide anything, eh? Like, we're pretty <laughs> up front. <laughs> um, so that's always been entertaining for us. But, yeah, it's basically, a, it's obviously a play on word of, of sober, um, being sober. But that suffix, B-A-H, or the sound of that, B-A-H, bar, uh, for a lot of the Eastern board um, Aboriginal language groups, it's it means place of. So that's kind of our play, play on the words of, of place of sobriety um, in Wawing. So that's where the name kind of came from, yeah.
0: Yeah, great. Um, I'm glad I asked. Um, also, the, the artwork is another cool thing I really like about this one. I don't know if you can see it properly. Um yep. I'm going to guess there's stories about there. It's probably even on the can. Um, I haven't turned around yet. Can you sort of talk us through how you get the artwork done and, and, you know, what's the stories behind that?
2: Yeah, for sure. We've worked with a a few different uh, Aboriginal artists over the last few years uh, to to work on our designs. You know, we're we're heavily about trying to promote um, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander culture, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander uh, foods, and, um, and also languages. So we, we try and, as much as possible, uh, work our designs to, to be story-based around uh, the particular fruits. That's the, the direction we're moving forward anyway is to make our designs very particular to the, the native produce that we're using and the story may be present around that produce and the use of that produce in the reason, regions it comes from. Um, so we're actually in a, in a massive phase of rebranding at the moment. So all our labels actually come out a lot more individual um, moving forward based around whatever native produce is in there because everything we produce is infused with some kind of native product. So, uh, so the stories will all be based around maybe the places they come from through to medicinal purposes of, of those uh, products. Um, so it's been great working with... Uh, Got a jet flying over. You always get a jet at the perfect time. <laughs> I've been working with different artists um, in different regions to to come up with those new stories moving forward. Um, originally, our, our artwork was done by a gamilarai artist um, called Jason Passfield. Um, he uh, worked. Very closely, sort of. We commissioned him to, to do the piece that's on those cans. So, I what I was looking for, um, the eagle itself is is integral to our ba- our brand. Um, because my whole journey of sobriety actually came round due to my calling me out on my drinking um, when he was six years old, and his name's Marlian, which in my language in Gamilaroi actually is a wedge-tailed eagle. So, it's it's an ode to him that. Is the centerpiece of our brand because none of this would have happened if he hadn't sort of given me the kick in the ass that I needed um, to, to make some changes in my life. So that's where the eagle comes from. Um, some of the other art that's on there represents some of the song lines and stuff that are important to us as Camillerate peoples. Yeah, great. It's,
0: um yeah, really, really love it. Really love it, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the rebrand if it's going to make it stand out more.
2: Yeah, so some of that'll be out, so it'll be visible on our. So we just released a Davidson Plum gluten-free um, ale. It kind of tastes a bit like a sour ale, just naturally from the from the sourness of the Davidson Plum, and and so there's a story pillar to the Davidson Plum that's on on that can, and then the same with the Aniseed Myrtle that I've just finished working on. Our our label for that is. Is very particular to to the story, I guess, or the narrative of Aniseed Myrtle.
0: Davidson Plum is one of my favourite favourite things. Um, yeah. I ate a raw one when I was in the Byron Bay um, last year, for about this time last year, and I loved it. Everyone was telling me how how you know how intense they are, and I was like, oh, "This is... is that at uh,
2: Brookies." Yeah, yeah yeah. At Brookies.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Even that initial. Um... Davison Plum gin that was super, super sour that they, were, that they gave us a little sample of. Even that, we were sort of like, hell yeah, this is what we want. Like, no, no, this isn't what it's like, yeah. It's like
2: the original Warheads. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Um, someone
0: in the comments, uh, Sam, oh, Sam, good to see you back. Um, always good to see you in the chat. Uh, he's saying um, he really likes the fact that it's already a, a rare product, um, but they also promote the businesses, uh, Australian, Aboriginal and family owned, Um, he's a huge fan of the artwork as well so um, thanks Sam thanks Sam Um, can you I guess tell us a little bit about or or talk through the sort of bringing a a product to market with such a strong Aboriginal identity Um, are there any challenges in that uh, in terms of perception or um, even you know telling your own personal story and what that might mean to other people
2: yeah I guess it's a It can be both. It can be a blessing and a burden at times. Um, I have had to, I guess, retell my story time and time again because people are quite interested in it. And then I guess it's a massive part of who we are as a company and as a brand, um, which at, at, at times can be challenging. Um, you don't always want to be talking about uh, some of the nastier parts of, of your life, um, particularly to, com- to complete strangers, but I guess it, it really put me in my spot. I'm a psychologist by profession, so I'm asking people to do that day in, day out. So, um, you know, I've had to do it on a large scale uh, over the last years, so I kind of know how they must feel when they come along and see me for the first time now. So um, there's a lot of support out there these days for Aboriginal businesses, but it's really hard to find. So I think if you're know if you not good at working your way through systems and you don't have the techs you don't kind of have that, um, those social connections to, to help you find your way through, navigate your way through particularly government systems and, and funding grants, et cetera, et cetera, then you're never gonna actually find them. So while the support I think is out there, it's, it's times really challenging to figure out How do I access it? What do they expect of me in terms of trying to get that support? I've actually been um, really positively surprised with the support we've had from the general public in what we're doing. You know, there's no hiding that uh, that Australia is still a, a racially charged nation um and we still cop abuse i used to cop abuse like straight face to face in our food truck because we were doing native foods and aboriginal inspired foods in our food truck and quite often i'd I'd cop racial abuse in what i was doing face to face in the food truck so i was kind of hesitant and expecting a bit but overwhelmingly the the support has been positive and encouraging and and i think that really shows the direction as a nation and in which we're heading which is which is great and uh it definitely fills me with uh you know a level of of security for my for my kids growing up that they hopefully won't have to grow up with a lot of the same crap that uh you know myself and many others of my generation and those before us had to witness and experience
0: um i i don't yeah i don't understand giving someone abuse at a food truck for like whatever that mindset is 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 crazy um, yeah, yeah
2: you know i don't i don't i'd have parents come up with their kids and and literally call me disgusting because i was ca- i was cooking you know, native game meats saying that's disgusting i can't believe you you, you don't get arrested for that and you well you're sitting there chewing on a big fat cheeseburger like don't you think that came from an animal or like, yeah interesting at times but You're going so yeah.
1: far out of your way to express it too like
2: i don't understand it yeah. um yeah. tell me about
0: the food you, you were cooking on the food truck Do you still have the food truck
2: nah i sold it two years ago we i had too many things going and my wife put her foot down and said you need to get rid of something so we really wanted to invest all our sort of energy into growing sober so the food truck went to further support uh the growth of Sober. but while we had it uh it was you know it was all about um again promoting uh, native produce and and native foods um we know they're healthier for us and that they're healthier for this country for this place so that's what it was about um and we had we had a lot of support doing that i actually on sold it to an aboriginal um corporation over on um, or North Stradbroke Island. So it's still out there. It's still going. They've rebranded it, but it's it's still out there, which is awesome to see. And it actually inspired quite a few Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples uh, around the country to to delve into that catering space in different forms. So that's that's been awesome to see as well.
0: Um, how, as a psychologist, did you start, or well, why did you start a food truck? I guess like uh,
1: psychologists.
2: Yeah, so uh, I've actually, I was a chef before I became a psychologist, so. Okay. Uh, everything kind of just melted into this this van, actually. You know, it was about, everything I try and do these days is just about wellness in general, so holistic wellness. So I wanted to be able to promote culture. I wanted to be able to promote healthy foods, both for ourselves and for place. Um, and and I just thought, uh, doing the food truck and running out native inspired foods and, and healthy foods in the food truck would be a great way to to be able to do that so yeah it was just everything kind of is a part of everything in terms of what I my you know I guess my working and my business
1: life obviously it was a positive reaction but what would people think when they were going to a food truck and then there was non-alcoholic beer available um, how were they how are they approaching it
2: well a lot of the, the I guess a lot of the places where you end up serving from a food truck are, are public events where you can't have alcohol. So, you know, food trucks in parks or or little council run festivals and stuff that you can't have alcohol. So a lot of the time people were really stoked just to be able to get their hands on a icy cold beer. Um, and they probably you know, unless we told people that it was non alcoholic, people were just coming up and ordering a beer. And then after halfway through it, I'd generally tell them it was non-alcoholic and they'd say, "Ah, oh, bullshit, you know, you, you don't lie. And I go, no, well, it's non-alcoholic. I wouldn't be able to give it to you if it wasn't. I'm in a public area here and I don't have a liquor license. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a great way to sort of fish people in, I guess. You know, we were just basically letting them think it was beer and they were enjoying it as a beer. And sometimes after you tell them it was non-alcoholic, they go, oh, Spit it out. and <laughs> No, I don't want that rubbish. And we go, mate, you're enjoying it 30 seconds ago. Um, I don't know what your problem is. Um, but yeah, the majority of the time we're just, people were just stoked to be able to get a decent tasting non-alcoholic um, beverage and, and we quite surprised that was a real thing.
0: I, I kind of think, um, if I was thinking of, if I'm going to a food truck and um, there's a, a non-alcoholic beer, I'm already kind of invested in getting something from the food truck. So, I, I, you know, as someone that likes a beer, would probably go, oh, I'll give that non alcoholic beer a go um, yeah. and, and see, you know, like it, it almost kind of, people are a little bit off balance already um, at the food truck. They're out at an event. It's probably they're open to that suggestion of trying, a, you know, something that they typically, if it was offered in a pub, they'd just be like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, how do you make... Non-alcoholic beer, I know there
2: are a few ways, but I don't actually know what any of them are. How do you create this product? Yes, there is a few ways. So I guess the larger companies, um, some of the multinationals, the way they generally do it is to use a reverse osmosis process. So they'll just produce their run-of-the-mill beer and then they'll extract the alcohol away from the rest of the liquid, um, which, you know tends to taint the flavor of the product really like you create something and then you go and mess with it it tends to mess it up and sometimes you're not starting with the most uh, amazing tasting beers in the first place i guess from some of those companies um some of the other companies boil it off so heat treat it and take it off we uh, we've tried to be as low intervention as possible on in terms of the way that we produce ours so we actually use a particular strain or a couple of strains of yeast that just refuse to consume maltose so it's largely an assumption of maltose that leads to the production of high levels of alcohol in in beer um, and so the yeast we use just refuse to consume the malta we don't get the production of the alcohol in the first place we get slight levels um just from the from the consumption of the fructose and sucrose whatever glucose and anything else may be in there um, but largely the sugars that are in beer is maltose and um, yeast won't have it so that's how we produce ours so we're able to fully brew and not have to do any further processes to our to our products and, and still achieve a non-alcoholic uh, product at the end of it.
0: How do you test uh, for, for that like do you have more rigorous testing
2: than say a, a, a alcoholic brewery? Yeah so everything that we produce is um, tested the same way as any other product is to get the exact alcohol value that's in it. Um, so yeah we can we can tell exactly what's in there even though our products say less than five. Generally, they're running at about 02 at the most 0.3%, um, so very, very low uh, alcohol content in them, definitely non-alcoholic. Um, there's more alcohol, literally more alcohol in an overripe banana or orange than you're going to find in our, <laughs> in our beers, you know, and and the movie of kombuchas and other drinks that are out there are going to contain more, higher levels of alcohol than you're going to find in, in our products. Um, When we first started, we did have uh, a bit of a problem with secondary fermentations happening. The yeast we use is very um, temperate sensitive, so it would be active at anything sort of above four degrees. So even even when we were doing cold storage and cold shipment, um, just the fluctuations in temperature at different times of somebody picking it up and um, getting it home and putting it in their fridge uh, could have led to a secondary fermentation in the product. Um, so we pasteurise everything that we do now and that ensures that we have a dry shelf stable product that we can get to anybody anywhere in in the world really but definitely in Australia so um, that's the only sort of further intervention that we have to have on it And, and we made that choice because cold storage and cold distribution is just too damn expensive and too unreliable
1: classification uh, to be able to be call it
2: non-alcoholic what's
1: the limit yeah yeah 0. 0.5 0.5 righto. yeah
2: anything under 0. 0.5 is is legally non-alcoholic um, anything under anything between 0. 0.5 and 1.15 is um, ultra low and then obviously above that you move into your lows and your mediums etc cetera, etc cetera. so any, anybody technically who's producing a, a beverage that's under 1.15 um, percent doesn't have to pay alcohol alcohol tax or anything like that um, because it's ultra low um, and it's and you in a lot of products you get now levels of alcohol production of that anyway you know if we start soy sauce it all have to pay alcohol tax if we started going down to those levels and Sourdough bread and a whole bunch of other things. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're really low at 0.2, 0.3%. I literally um, stayed one day and got on the bag and blew 0.0. So, um, it's, impossible, it's impossible to get drunk drinking non alcoholic beer. <laughs> I feel like trying would just be
0: a very awful experience after drinking, I don't know, two or three litres. One um, question here from Sam. Um, you mentioned there's a stout coming, uh, yeah, uh, he's just wanting to know what botanicals.
2: Um, I think you mentioned it, but remind us what that was. Aniseed. So Great. it's got quite a licorice flavour to it. I, I, I personally love sarsaparillas and stuff like that. So um, you know, I generally go about making things that I want to drink and market test them, see if others may enjoy them, and um, We've had a high degree of success doing that so far. We've had a couple that people are like, what are you doing? But um, generally people are like, wow, this is great. So, yeah, aniseed myrtles. what's in the stout. And, um, it does have quite a licorice fa- flavour to it. Um, we don't try and hide that. A um, couple of people that i tried it earlier today who don't like licorice at all, and they're like, oh, my God, it tastes like licorice. So I was like, sweet, I've done my job. <laughs> um, so when's that one coming out? Uh, it's on pre-sale now, so right. we'll be shipping those out from sort of Tuesday, Wednesday next week. Awesome.
0: Um, and Steve from the Sunday Special has said uh, how much he enjoys uh, the pepperberry IPA. Much to his surprise, he says. Uh, I guess he had the... To... Yeah,
2: awesome. <laughs> it's, it, it's a good... I, I enjoy, you know, the pepperberry just gives it that slight little uh, hint of spice in the background and it and, and pepperberries naturally um, are a bit of an anaesthetic, so it it, it kind of numbs your mouth a little bit numbs your head a little bit and so a lot of the time when people are drinking our ipa we get questioned on whether it's really non-alcoholic because they kind of get these tingly feelings and stuff that mimic alcohol um which is which has been fun to watch
0: interesting i've been enjoying this um this finger lime. uh and yeah it tastes like what i expected this to taste like if it was alcoholic um awesome as I said, I really like finger lime. So it's a, it's a winner for me.
1: Another uh, uh, thing up, that we do- research do you have to do to like figure out what, um, flavor profile you're going to get without the, uh, conversion of the yeast. Uh, is that something you've had to do homework on?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So as, there's a, uh, we work closely with the food scientists that helps us with, I guess, all the sciencey based base, uh, behind that in terms of the flavor profiles, that's, that's, that's my kettle of fish, so I do all the um, flavour mapping as such, uh, and then the food scientist helps us figure out how much of, of certain things we can and can't use before it may uh, start impacting on alcohol levels or what else we need to do to bring those back down. And, um, yeah, but most of the flavour profiling and, and testing and development, uh, that's that's my business, so, yeah.
1: So about, I just cracked um,
2: open of our our... Davidson Plum Gluten-Free, so you can see it's um, nice and pink from the Dave Plums there and yeah, it's, it's our gluten-free beer that we've, um, we've been running it for a while in very small, limited batches um, but we've just started doing it in, in larger quantities now so screaming, screaming uh, consumer base for, for gluten-free products at the moment so apparently we're Australia's only non-alcoholic gluten-free beer
0: Great. That's um. Yeah, I, I'm really curious to see how that that goes in the market. That's it's a really fun niche to be in. I
2: just I just did a hundred cartons, like literally just finished um, them off today, and um, they're all pre-sold. So <laughs> it, the market seems to be there. So Billy signs are good. <laughs> yeah. So I've just uh, we'll start brewing again on Tuesday, and it'll be a cup turnaround. Yeah.
0: Right um, how do you go about sourcing all the ingredients?
2: It's getting easier. There's a lot more awareness and a lot more uh, availability of native produce now than there was a few years ago. But that's kind of almost becoming problematic at the same time now. You've got a lot of bigger companies that are starting to tinker with native produce and buying up entire farms worth, which is getting it uh, making it difficult for small craft producers you know, when somebody's buying up 10 tons, and I want to order 300 kilos, um, I'm generally getting sent to third-party suppliers, um, because I just can't put in the the orders for, for the amounts that uh, some of the bigger uh, producers are, are going through at the moment. So some of the newer stuff that we use, it's still easy, but as soon as something sort of grabs in the market as a a bit of a, a fad flavour profile... Um, it becomes again very quickly more difficult to to get our hands on it. Hopefully, over the next some of our some of our larger scale stuff. So the finger lime surveyor, for instance, you know we we produce that at a level now where I can order, I can put in my entire year's supply or my entire year's order, and the farm's happy to keep that for me because it's large enough quantities that I'm ordering. Um, whereas something like the um, aniseed myrtle stout that I've only just started, uh, i have I'm I'm ordering a couple of kilos at a time, where somebody else might want to go and order a ton of it at a time. So it, it's 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 difficult to keep with that, and I, and I understand that, and so it means at times we're having to pay sort of third party prices uh, for our for our produce. Um, but that's that's the way it is. We we try and much as possible work with businesses that are either run by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. People work very closely and ethically with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander businesses. So, at times, that means we're looking at smaller growers and smaller suppliers anyway. So, yeah, we do pay a, pay a premium on our produce, but we've, you know, that's part of our business model to do that because we want to sustain that sort of ethical practice.
0: I um, remember buying, I bought some sort of soda in, at Coles months ago and I think it was Davidson Plum, and I, I figured it, you know, it was kind of presented like it was, um, you know, Indigenous-owned, um, and I was kind of excited to try it, and then I looked, and it was owned by a giant company. It might have even been owned by a multinational, and I was just like, nah. I felt like I'd been tricked, pretty much.
1: Um,
2: that goes on. Sorry? There is a bit of that that goes on. Um, I mean, the best way to, if you're ever looking for businesses that are Aboriginal-owned, um, Supply Nation is the best Refidex, I guess, to, to go to, reference to go to. Um, any, any company that's got Supply Nation registration has to be minimum 51% Aboriginal-owned, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander-owned. So
1: so is that there's a, obviously
2: like, ways around that. Obviously, you get some company that... Uh, Go and offer Aboriginal peoples, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander peoples, 51% of their business just so they can jump in on that supply nation market. Um, because a lot, most big companies now have reconciliation action plans and cer- certain targets that they need to meet to um, engage with Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander businesses. So we are seeing a little bit of an instance where big businesses are going, okay, well, let's just get some Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people. On board, so we can mark off that fifty-one percent and and gain that business. Um, I, I don't have an I, I don't have a massive problem with it. If if Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are still benefiting, there is others out there that um, that see it as a major issue and and see it as taking advantage of the system.
0: Speaking of, um, I, I want to give a shout out to a cafe near me called um, Mabu Mabu, owned by a Torres Strait Islander ah, um, in Yarraville. Oh. Um, really really cool amazing
2: food amazing food
0: yeah um just yeah really really cool place love love going in there um and it's you know it's cool seeing businesses like yarraville uh you know the demographic is is really wealthy and really white um and it's it's cool seeing that kind of business popping up and doing really well there yep um Someone, oh that's right, I remember what I was gonna ask. Uh, Sam's asked, is it, is it true at the moment people are trying to sneak into Queensland around the tweet heads? Do you know anything about people sneaking into Queensland?
2: Absolutely, it's true. It's, it's pretty funny. Like, I know it's, it's, it's not funny, but it is funny. Like it's, it's I don't think people have got it in their head how contagious and how problematic this um, virus is and, and how much of an issue the whole pandemic is, particularly for business. Um, and that if we don't all do the right thing and abide by, you know, as, as inconvenient as the rules may be, if we, if we all flaunt them, then we're never going to get through this, um, in a period that's going to save a lot of those small businesses. Say, so, but it's man. Yeah. It's been funny watching how many people are trying to skip the border, um, they've literally had to put a barrier up like, you know, Trumpy style barrier up to uh, stop people from pulling over in their car and dump fence um, li- about a kilometre up the road from where I'm sitting right now. Actually is where it is. So the traffic is chaotic. My- myself and um, some of my workers, um, we've got to try and drive back through it after this and it'll probably take us an hour to get 15 minutes up the road.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. Is this, um, is this full time for you? No, actually, I work full-time at uh, Bond University in the medical school there, so I um assistant professor of um, Aboriginal health at, at the university. That's my full-time gig. Um, this is my other full-time gig, <laughs> so I don't know days off. I don't really know holidays, and um, yeah, my kids are kind of getting jack of it, but uh, hopefully short-term pain, long-term benefit uh, for them, so... Yeah. yeah. How old are your kids? I've got three boys there 12, 10, and 4. So, a real handful, then. <laughs> a yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, real handful. My, my wife's been at home with them all day today, and I've had some interesting text messages from them, so, <laughs> um, Who knows what I'm going home to at the
1: end of this? Are you operating with like a core range that you um, send through, or is it more fluid based on what's available? Yeah, no, we have three
2: beers in the core range. Uh, it's our Lemon Aspen Pilsner, the Finger Lime Cerveza, that, you, that Luke's drinking there, and the Pepperberry IPA that was spoken about before. Uh, and then, yeah, we have a sort of rotation stuff and and always trying something new. We've been waiting for about 18 months. We, we've actually just installed and commissioned and just finished running the very first group, um of a tunnel... Uh, tunnel pasteuriser. So we, we we managed to get a grant and and purchased our own um, sort of craft size tunnel pasteurizer. So that's amazing because that now means that any of the the small sta- scale stuff that we do um, we'll be able to send that out to anywhere in the country to people. So before when we were running a lot of our small sales, smaller scale stuff, we were Really, only uh, selling it at market events or local events, or locals would come purchase it directly from us. Um, we weren't really able to get it out um, beyond that because of the issues with cold storage and cold shipping. So we're really excited to be able to get this out, and and it's going to make a massive difference. You know, we've I've got 200 cartons sitting here um, that have all pre-sold as people realise that they are now able to get our our limited release stuff. So. That's awesome. You'd probably
0: be the smallest brewer (laughs) to have a pasteuriser in Australia, I imagine.
2: As far as we know, we are. So, yeah, runs. uh, if we run it at sort of the maximum speed, we can probably pump about 500 cans an hour through it. Um, So as far as we know, we're the only um, business with a a tunnel pasteuriser of that size sort of commissioned and running. Um, There's a few other craft breweries that have sort of seen that we've got ours and, and the capability of it and, I guess, the efficiency of it and are now at, um, installing similar, which is awesome. Um, I know some of the bigger distributors um, are really starting to hound craft to, uh, to pasteurise um, just so that they're not, I guess, left with some of the issues that happens for all of us, no matter how many we put in place um, if we don't pasteurise. Um,
1: yeah.
0: The conversation that keeps coming up um in the beer world and yeah I, I, I yeah i think the more we people look at it i think the better it's gonna be for the end user
2: if, you know. for business it's, it's definitely better for business i mean i know there's going to be purists there that want their beer as fresh as possible and then and, and as minimal impact as possible and and i appreciate that um and and there's going to be a lot of businesses that will continue to run that model and that's what's worked for them and will continue to work for them. But for a lot of other craft breweries, particularly with the more, I guess, saturated the market's becoming and the more you need to look outside your local area now, um, I think pasteurisation is going to be more you. More uh, and to be honest, if people, if people haven't drunk your fresh product and they drink your pasteurised product... It, they're never going to know the difference. It's only those that have really sort of uh, become accustomed to your fresh product that would, and even most of them nine out of 10 aren't going to notice the difference between the unpasteurized and the pasteurized version. You know, we did a whole bunch of testing around ours and nine out of people could not tell the difference. Um, I could straight away. I knew exactly because, you know, I've been drinking them some, from since day dot. I'm usually drinking them... Sp- as soon as they're out of the uh out of the fermenters and the chillers and the and you know gone through every process here in the brewery i'm i'm constantly at every stage sort of testing stuff here so for me um i can taste the difference but anybody i give this stuff to who hasn't tasted any of those stages isn't gonna know
1: I huh. a quick because I, I just told everybody. <laughs> anyway, it cut's out of the bag. We don't um, keep secrets. <laughs> How long does the fermentation take for a non alcoholic beer?
2: It depends. So there's two different strains of yeast that I use. One takes three days, the other takes five days. Um, so it depends on which strain of yeast I'm using and which style of beer that I'm doing. Um, you know, the, the stout, uh, we, we just had that for five days. Um, before we then left it to settle for about another 10 or so after that. Um, so it's a shorter period. Um, you know, generally it's taken three to four weeks. We kind of can get that turnaround to canning happening in about just over two weeks. So, and for, for the Cervasa, for instance, I can probably do it in 10 days.
1: Yeah, right. That's good for business. is uh, Yeah,
2: fermentations, because I only need to ferment that for probably about three days.
1: All right.
0: Um don't think we've got any more questions in the chat. Thanks everyone for, for watching along. Um, where do we find you online? You said your website's where, to, where people can look for stockers. Yeah, go
2: to sober.com, you'll find us. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if it's .com.au or sober.com, to be yeah, honest.
0: One let of me, let me bring it up and chuck it in the comments for the people watching on the YouTube.
2: dot right, uh, yeah. .com.au. Okay. Uh, Just putting in sober in Google would be the first thing that comes up. So um, hopefully, if it, you put in non-alcoholic beer, it hopefully, is the first thing that comes up. And that's that's what we pay uh, pay yeah, some of their little yeah. <laughs> background to try and create for us. I don't know how well it goes. It comes up on my computer, obviously, because I'm on it all the time, so it picks it up. But yeah. uh, mix mix bag at my end. Yep. Um, Somebody was telling me the that comes up for for a lot of people is still Dan Murphy's. You put in a uh, non-alcoholic beer, and Dan Murphy's is the first thing that comes up okay. generally. They've got a Dan's? much bigger
1: marketing budget than me, <laughs> so shrewd SEO going on there. Yeah. Are,
2: are you on Dan Murphy's yet? We've just gone into thirty-five BWSs and fifteen Dan Murphy's stores between Brisbane and Darwin. So we've started off in the sort of local southeast Queensland and Northern Rivers area, uh, and hoping by the year have national distribution through through BWS and Dan Murphy's. That's incredible!
0: Congratulations on that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. The whole, um, got a whole realm of headaches, but yeah, it, <laughs> the ones we're
2: happy
1: to have. <laughs> will it be long before you'll have to think about um, your own premise?
2: Uh, that's hopefully... We're already working on that, so we're, we're about to commission a feasibility study to um, look at commissioning um, not just a brewery but a, a sort of cultural precinct, so it'll contain a brewery, a brew cafe... Um, an art space, doing space, and, and a few other bits and pieces. So we've, we're in the process of trying to find an independent um, business to do a feasibility study on that for us. And, yeah, hopefully two years is what we're looking at. Exciting. We've got yeah. a 12 months left on our lease where we are at present and an option for 12 months to extend. I want to be moving out um, at the end of that, so...
0: Yeah, cool. Um, that's exciting. I, Dave, I know you and I always talk about how much we need to travel around Australia and visit uh, all these places. And in two years time, uh, that would be well, sure. an amazing, amazing place to visit, I reckon.
2: Hopefully it happens and it'll be awesome to have you up.
0: Uh, decent- what's up? Uh.
2: <laughs> Sorry? Up for some decent weather and um, cold beers.
0: Yeah, it'd be nice to just be outside of a house, to be honest,
2: right
1: now. Um, What's on for the rest of the weekend? Uh, I've just mowed my lawn. Uh, We're doing a little bit of a um, Zoom chat quiz tonight. So I'm going to be feverishly Googling answers, just getting all the research in before then. Pretty uh, competitive. I want to win. I always
0: want to win quizzes. (laughs)
1: No, no How about nice. you? Uh don't know. I've
0: kind of had a pretty busy morning. I got up this morning and baked bread. Uh, did some yoga this morning. I, I started doing yoga to, the, um, I guess, I don't know, help my, my body be healthy. <laughs> um, did a little bit of shopping, like just went down to Mr. West and grabbed some things. So it's been a, I don't know, I feel like I've achieved a few things today. So Emma's making salmon tonight, which I'm pretty excited by. So
1: it's an action-packed sort of day, if you ask me. It's about all the action Famine, we could do. end <laughs> the
0: day. Yeah, salmon and celeriac mash, which I'm really excited by.
2: Beautiful. Uh, good, yeah, good, good. good, fresh produce. How about you, Clinton? What do you got on? Uh, tomorrow, I've actually got to prep a couple of lectures that I've got to do on Tuesday, on Monday. So, yeah, I'll have a another day on the computer. But hopefully, uh, get out in the morning and go surfing with my kids for a couple of hours and yeah, hopefully just get out and do something with them for a couple of hours before I have to do some more work. Um, otherwise, they're going to be rattled. <laughs> um, thanks so
0: much. And uh, everyone that watched along on the YouTube, thanks uh, for joining us for the chat. Uh, and we'll be probably doing more of these. I think we've got four more weeks of being locked down at least. Um, and I guess with that in mind, if you're around Melbourne and Victoria, wear a mask, stay inside. Uh just don't don't go spreading it around. What is everyone doing? Uh, be healthy because do the right thing. Small business needs you to be healthy right now. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Clinton, really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Thanks for having us long good job.